Is your fixed income truly fixed income? Does it provide diversification, income, and risk management for your clients? At MFS, we help advisors deliver these essentials. We call it Essential Fixed Income. Find out more at mfs.com slash fixed income. Welcome to another edition of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Hopefully, by this point, you've realized I am not Pierce, uh, and I'm Caroline, and I will be hosting today. Pierce is out, um, so we miss him dearly, but I do have two wonderful guests from Streaking the Lawn with me today. We've got Matt Trogdon. Trogs, how are you doing today? Hey, what up? I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to talk. Ready to talk some UVA sports. And Paul Wiley, what's happening? Not much. Just enjoying my grocery store sushi. That sounds dangerous and risky. Living on the, so. living on the edge. That's how I <laughs> like to live dangerously. Um, so Virginia is 1-0, and which is huge news in and of itself. However, there's some bigger news in the Virginia sports world this week, as we heard and found out over the past week that both John Oliver, the associate executive uh, associate director of athletics, there's probably one of those words is wrong in there, uh, is going to be done at Virginia September 15th, which was surprising. And then we found out on Tuesday that Craig Littlepage, who has been the athletic director at Virginia for 16 years, uh, will be retiring and transitioning into a role in the president's office. Um, Paul, what was your first take? Were you surprised that this is happening now? Does it seem like something that you thought was coming for a while? What was your initial reaction to Craig Littlepage announcing his retirement? It certainly wasn't overall surprising, um, given that he had had to take so much time off over the last year to deal with some family health issues. Um, And certainly coming as close as it did on the heels of John Oliver's announcement, um, I think that was a a little bit of a tip-off that Little Page would be leaving soon. It seemed odd that Oliver would would be on the way out without other changes, um, sort of given Oliver and Little Page's relationship. And uh, like I said, sort of the, the impending seeming nature of, of little page departure. Uh, so it's, it is a bit surprising in terms of timing at the beginning of the academic year, at the beginning of the fall sports season, mm-hmm. uh, but I, it wasn't a shock that it was happening or that it was happening in the 2017, 2018, um, sports and academic year. Trogdon, what about you? What was your initial reaction when you heard the news? I disagree with everything Paul just said. <laughs> um, that's fair. No, I take that back. Um, I agree with Paul. It was not a uh, not a huge surprise, um, but it is certainly huge news. It's a monumental story, um, and you know I, I can't. I don't have that many memories of UVA athletics before Craig Littlepage. That's you know how long he's been there. So yeah, uh, the fact that we are moving on to a new athletic director um, without his steady hand on the wheel um, is both exciting and thrilling and uh, scary at the same time. Um, yeah, I would absolutely agree with all of that. I think it's, you bring up an interesting point, Trogs, because I know we were around the same time frame we started um, at UVA. I had talked to fearless leader Brian Leung today at uh, work, and we were talking about, um, as someone myself, I was there 2003 to 2007, um, was there for the opening of JPJ, um, several of the start of the national championships, the, that, that sort of thing that 
kicked off. He has a legacy of 13 national championships, 15 individual titles, which are is what it is. Like how much does he have over that other than picking coaches who pick good players? Um, but also a league leading or conference leading 76 ACC titles. Um, how, how do you look at his legacy trogs when it comes to, I know there's some people, especially when it comes to John Oliver that are very um, angry about the way football has panned out over the last 10 years, but how do you balance that with the other things that he's done for Virginia athletics? I was thinking about this uh, on my drive home today. I think um, when it's all said and done, Craig Littlepage, certainly one of the most important athletic directors Virginia's ever had, um, maybe the most important athletic director Virginia's ever had, given uh, the length of his tenure. Um, you know, I think uh, looking back on history, uh, Gene Corrigan is probably known as the AD that kind of brought Virginia sports out of the dark ages. Uh, Terry Holland is known as um, the athletic director during some of the um, the higher points in Virginia athletics history and certainly um, with the start of the facilities expansion. Um, but Craig, if you look back at his record, you know, he, uh, the Virginia athletic department, uh, really became what it is now and what I think it will be for, uh, the foreseeable future and for maybe the distant future, um, it became that under his watch. Um, you know, I think Virginia went from being a, um, financially strapped, um, athletic department that maybe thought of itself a little higher than it actually was um, to becoming one of the premier athletic departments in the country um, with uh, incredible depth among the programs and um, just a, a well-roundedness um, to its success that, that was unrivaled in school history um, and is really unrivaled um, in, in any athletic department east of the Mississippi River over that time period. So uh, I think I think uh, fans have gotten used to Virginia being a well-rounded athletic department, to Virginia competing in um, sports in every season, um, and I think that is something that fans will expect for years and decades to come. And I think that that foundation was set um, with uh, Mr. Littlepage at the helm. So I think that will be his. That will be his legacy in the long term. I like that answer. Paul, do you have anything that you think differently with regards to how much do you think football would blemish the record that Trogs just talked about? I mean, it's, it's certainly, it's the gaping hole um, that everything else, you know, you, you said how many, you know, how much control does an athletic director have over national championships? Well, correlation, causation, whatever, of Virginia's 23, 24 all-time national championships, 13 have come in the last 15 years. Um, that includes, you know, the, the years that boxing was basically the only program in the country that could win a national title. Bring um, back boxing. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but it, it shows exactly what Jordan was talking about, that it, there was an all department excellence to use, you know, part of, part of the. Was the, it compromised excellence? Well, that's a, that, that is the question with football. Does, does the football blemish compromise the overall excellence? Right. Um, and I think there, that, that's a question that everybody's going to come down differently on. I don't think that it, I think it certainly is, is the, the question that will always be asked about Craig Littlepage. It's what people will always be able to have a conversation about Craig Littlepage because of, of that issue. But I don't think it, it, it 
should mean that his tenure was a failure or anything less than a success um, because of how everything else uh, shook out over the last 15 years. Um, I think it's important to note that each of the, it seems like each of the sort of big monumental stick in your memory athletic directors was at the helm of, of the athletic department during a period of transition. Uh, mm-hmm. That Gene Corrigan was overseeing the athletic department during the first growth of football, uh, of TV football and sort of commercialization of college sports. Terry Holland was over the second iteration of that with realignment uh, of of conferences in the early nineties. And then everything that's happened over the last 15 years with the growth of essentially super conferences uh, and especially digital media and how that's changed TV packages um, on the business side. I think that that's part of why those three, three guys stick out in Virginia athletic history so much is because they, they steered the ship uh, during the, the sort of the momentous times. Yeah, that's a great point. I thought it was interesting. He talked today in his press conference or whenever you're listening to this, when he had his press conference um, about the, so he's 66 now. And part of the things that factored into his decision, he said was um, he's 66. The average age of the last, like, I think he said five athletic directors um, was about 55 when they left and they'd only served for about seven and a half years. So um, he's obviously made it double that um, plus some with the 16 year mark. Um, I also think uh, he was the first African-American athletic director in the ACC. Um, And I just think that his legacy is going to be anyone that has the doubts about football right now. I think hopefully with the Mendenhall era, I know some have yet to be convinced that he's the guy, but um, Craig Littlepage gave a very convinced answer when asked in the press conference, like, you know, Hey, football basically was the question. And and he said that he has no doubt in his mind that Bronco Mendenhall is the guy to, to do it. Um, and it was above and beyond kind of what you'd expect from like a placating, like, yeah, football's fine. We're good. You know, it'll be okay. Cool. See ya. Um, so it was, it, it'll be interesting. The amount of faith that he has in, in coach Mendenhall's staff, um, is a good sign. I think the way he said it and the way he delivered it. Um, but I just want to, I, I love Craig Littlepage. I think he's a very nice person. Um, and, um, we've mentioned Corrigan a couple times, Paul, you put something together this week of four people that you think could be in the running or could be names involved in this search. Um, one of which is a Corrigan, uh, who is your pick that you would like to see as the next Virginia athletic director? Yeah. As, as I was writing that, and as I've thought, thought about it more over the last couple of days, Boo Corrigan, the athletic director from army West point really does, I, I think check almost all of the boxes, um, that, if you're talking about a place with a unique culture and identity and challenges of academic requirements, you're not, you know, Virginia is, is even less stringent than the service academies. And so he's been in that environment. He's got the Virginia ties from uh, his, his father being the athletic director for so long, the the family being in Charlottesville, uh, Debbie Ryan is his cousin. Um, so he's got a sense of, of how the, this university in particular works. Um, and then for the criticism that he's, that he's not a football guy, well, that's, people need to look at the trajectory of Army football over the last five years while he's been there. Five years ago, Army football stank. <laughs> Army football was losing to FCS teams pretty regularly. They went through several coaches in a very short time span, and then they brought in Jeff Munkin who has turned that program around to the point that it can beat the longtime rival that it hadn't beaten in more than a decade. What? And it's starting to pick up 
momentum to the point that it it is it is being talked about as a bowl contender this year. So no, I, he has not overseen the Alabama football program, but he has still turned around has has turned around a football program with the constraints that are in place at, at West Point. And I, I don't see any reason that he couldn't do it here, especially if Dirk Castro stays on at the VAF and, and handles get maybe gets even more autonomy in the fundraising specter so that Corrigan basically runs the day-to-day of the athletics department and the money stuff is, is Castro and the VAF to worry about. That's interesting. Even though go Navy beat army Trogs, What about you? Is there someone that you have had your eye on? Um, no, I, I certainly have not given this as much thought, nearly as much thought as Paul um, has. And if anybody has not yet read his um, breakdown of potential candidates on streakingthelawn.com, um, I would recommend that they do that um, as, as quickly as possible. Of the people that Paul mentioned in that article, I, I think the most intriguing to me is Val Ackerman. Um, she is an alum. Uh, she's the current commissioner of, uh, it's the Big East, right? The current commissioner of the Big East. Yes. Um, I think whoever the next athletic director is, I want that person to be someone who um, is savvy when it comes to um, thinking about how Virginia's product will be packaged in the media um, into the future, especially if the landscape of college sports continues to change. Um, and if there is another realignment coming up, um, I think, um, Val, uh, Ackerman, given her role as the head of the conference will probably have some good thoughts on the, um, and you know, she's been busy trying to keep that conference afloat and position it to where it can be, be a viable product. Um, and so I, I think she would be an interesting fit, um, at UVA, um, if she were interested in the job, but I, again, I would, I would, uh, suggest everyone to go back and read Paul's piece because I thought he covered it, um, very comprehensively. Don't you're so sweet. Yeah, I'm a sweet guy. <laughs> agreed pause the podcast go read it right now no um i think those are both excellent choices um and i also recommend paul's piece there's a lot of good information in there uh they did set a timeline of hopefully ideally eight to 12 weeks so that's relatively quick um and part of the reason like we talked about the beginning with john oliver um announcing his departure um last week uh the indication from Craig Littlepage though, was that he was not interested um, in like he had never intended to pursue the AD position at Virginia. And so when Craig decided to leave, that's when John Oliver took his cue and was going to head out. But um, again, I know from on behalf of me, uh, big thanks to Craig Littlepage and what he's done for UVA. And I'm excited and also a little scared to see uh, where we go. Cause um, I am a big fan of where they've brought the overall athletic department. Um, in the last 16 years. So um, it'll be interesting to see where one goes from here. But speaking of football and winning, I guess, um, Virginia. All we do, All we do is win. One and oh, this is so exciting. That's right. Um, so what, William and Mary, 28 to 10. Um, Virginia had control throughout most of the game. There weren't too many moments where it was terrifying, like, like you know, if you're playing Richmond. Uh, it's been four years since Virginia started 1-0. Trogs, how excited are you? Um, well, <laughs> the, 
really teed me up there. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, I'm pleased. I'm certainly pleased. Um, you know, it, it's great to get off the season on the right foot, um, being one to know, um, as I said, in my uh, bull watch column this week is certainly more fun than starting off 0 and 2 or 0 and 3. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to turn around and say that we want Bama or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but certainly happy with the win. Um, Virginia did what it needed to do. They they took care of business, and um, that game was really never in doubt, except for maybe you know a a minute and a half there in the fourth quarter when things started to get weird. Um, but you know, undoubtedly, the tasks will get much harder going forward. Um, certainly, uh, with this week being against Indiana being a uh, a great test. Trogs follow up. What was your biggest takeaway? Something that what impressed you most out of from Virginia out of the win? Um, what impressed me most on Saturday? It's uh, a great question. I was really impressed with uh, the receiving core. Um, you know, Ben Kurt I think was twenty seven for thirty nine or something like that. Um, I think I have that right, but. Uh, you know, he hit a lot of open receivers on Saturday and uh, you know, there were not a lot of balls where people had to go up and make tough catches. There were not a lot of balls where he was running for his life um, and where he just had to find somebody to pull a rabbit out of his hat. I thought the receiving, uh, the receivers did a great job of getting space and taking advantage of their strengths, uh, whether it was uh, Lavroni downfield or, or dallying in the intermediate game or whether it was, uh, Joe Reed or Lama Day kind of in the slot. Um, I thought that they uh, they showed off um, a lot of different weapons on Saturday, so I was very impressed with that. Yeah, that was he was twenty seven for thirty nine. I think two hundred and sixty four yards, um, two hundred sixty two yards. Sorry, and no interceptions, which yep. is a lovely thing to say. It was Virginia's first game, and I think forty two games that they did not have. Um, a turnover, which when you say that out loud is so depressing. The closest team I think was at 25 straight games. So we almost doubled up the closest. So that's good. Um, Paul, lean what, times, lean <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> I take back everything I said about little page. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Paul, what was, what impressed you from Saturday's win? I was most impressed that it was boring. It was a really boring <laughs> game against a team that we should beat. And that hasn't happened in too long. That, that uh, Sure, I want high-octane offense. I want big play defense, all that kind of stuff. But I'll, I'll, first game of the year in sloppy weather against an FCS team, I am perfectly fine snoozing to a win. Um, that is a sign that the program is to a point that so long as it does its core things right – it doesn't have to do a lot more. It doesn't need a big, crazy play. It doesn't need to turn the game into a nail biter because it's letting the other team make big, crazy plays that the defense was stifling. Um, Mm -hmm. It it was interesting to hear Bronco Mendenhall talk after the game about how the quarterback was able to scramble and give up more yards than they wanted, but that's because that's how they decided to make William and Mary beat us. Um, Yeah. And that's, that is, again, telling and impressive that the defense was doing its job and the game plan was executed and it worked. Um, so I, am, I was most impressed that things went according to plan, which is 
so sad to say that that is is impressive. <laughs> Things um, but look, Things I, I, I dug the bar. I dug about a six foot hole for the bar. I dropped it down in it, and we cleared it. So that's all that I really care about. No, it's true. I mean, um, shit, wins a win, and like you said, it was a boring, boring win, which I'm I'm all for. I'll, I'll echo your point about the defense. I thought it was. Um, they didn't get as a lot of sacks. Only a couple. Um, it was something they forced McKee out of the pocket so much and made him and really made them try and beat us using their not so mobile quarterback. And he, he, he did great. I thought their quarterback uh, running wise was fantastic. He had 89 yards rushing um, and was a huge chunk of their drive that led to a touchdown. Um, but again, they didn't even know which quarterback they were planning for until um, I think a couple days before the game started. So, I mean, uh, I thought, Quinn Blanding was outstanding. Malcolm Cook was great. Uh, and it's good to see him get out there. Cause Malcolm Cook had the first sack, uh, his first sack of his career. And that's nice to see something after all the stuff that he's gone through. Um, I've named a couple people, but um, Wiley, who is your standout player for Virginia? Uh, I think it's probably Malcolm Cook. Uh, seeing, seeing him come back and be a solid middle of the defense, you know, knocking Micah Kaiser down, that instead of him and Bland, instead of Kaiser and Blanding being one, two in tackles, uh, all of a sudden there's another guy there. There's a guy that is in the middle of that defense taking pressure off the other playmakers that eventually that could free up Blanding to be a little bit more uh, adventurous in either coverage or run blitz so that it's not, he's got to stay back and clean up the mess because the front six can't tackle. Um, so having Malcolm Cook in uh, getting that sack, getting sort of the, the taste of playing back in his mouth uh, and doing so well after basically three years off. It wasn't yeah. just the medical, you know, the heart injury, heart illness last year. It was injuries a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting him back on the field and taking a, a sort of play, play-to-play leadership role uh, was really, really impressive to me. Trogs, who – really stood out for you? Um, I thought Juan Thornhill looked great back at the, uh, back in the safety position um, until he got hurt. I thought Tim Harris looked great. Um, and uh, I echo Wiley on the Malcolm Cook call. Um, I thought that the defense, uh, a lot of the guys in the second and the third levels on the defense um, showed a lot of potential. And um, as Paul's saying, if, if guys like Cook and Thornhill and Jordan Mack and Chris Peace can can continue to play as well as they played Saturday and, and consistently show out like that every week, then um, I think this defense has potential um, to to be pretty good. You mentioned Tim Harris. How how big of a hit? I know we've talked about it a little bit on streakingthelawn.com, um, but how big of a hit? Like, how worried are you about that secondary losing a guy like Tim Harris? Um it's a big loss. You know, it's uh, now you have to throw in, you, you have to throw in a guy like Jermaine Crowell in there and in, um, in his place. Uh, I think um, G as coach Mendenhall likes to call him was going to be a guy that was going to get a lot of playing time this year um, anyway, and was probably going to be a guy that, that would have been um, the presumed starter at that position next year. Um, but you have to throw them in a year early. Um, and I think that that is, um, that's definitely risky. We saw it with Bryce Hall 
last season where Bryce Hall had some great moments and then Bryce Hall just had some brutal moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have liked, certainly would have liked for Tim to be able to play, um, you know, all year because I think, uh, man, they, he, he is a guy that throughout his career has shown a ton of potential. Um, I thought he looked really good um, just coming up and run support in the short amount of time that we saw him on Saturday. Uh, so that's a big loss. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, Paul, between the lateral motion we tried to do a lot of on our run plays or the kicking game, which was more concerning to you um, out of Saturday? Uh, probably the, the inability to get north-south in the running game. Um, that's That's been the thing that everybody was talking about in mm-hmm. fall camp. Um, yeah, I certainly expected to see more of it with an offensive line that the starters are on average 20 to 25 pounds larger than last year. Um, with the addition of the grad transfers, there's more experience. Um, the inability to push around an FCS team. Now, I mean, William Ramirez has got a big defensive line for an FCS team. Mm-hmm. Um, those, are, those are kids that could have played, you know, group of five defensive line football in FBS, but chose to go to William & Mary instead, a lot of them. Um, so it, it – there's also a, a question of sort of how vanilla the play calling was being on purpose. Yeah, I was um, like say, I said, it was think is designed or was trying to get too fancy in the first game to try things against an FCS team. Like how do you. Yeah. I, I, that it's kind of hard to, hard to tell that, that if they weren't executing the things that were sort of at the core of, of the offensive game plan, um, that's more troubling than if they weren't really trying to execute the stuff they've been putting in over the last several weeks. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, we're going to find out next week whether this offense has some a run game in it um, or if our run game is going to be hitting Zacchaeus on the flat, hitting, you know, Jordan Ellis on a swing pass, whether it's, it's going to be the same run game we had last year, which is – punching teams up the middle to keep them honest for two yards of play and then trying to get to the edge by anchored throwing short passes. Did it concern you, Trogs, that there weren't any real big plays in the game? Like they didn't try and take a lot of shots downfield or in two of the touchdown situations that they were scored on fourth down conversions? Like, was any, Yes, it was a rather boring 28-10. Is there anything hidden in there that you think maybe – you don't want to criticize too much because it's a win and we're one to know and that's exciting, but there's some things that maybe in the back of your mind are lingering a little bit. Um, I'm less concerned with the lack of big plays. Um, I'm more concerned with, um, you know, of the two choices you gave more concerned that, that the, the two touchdowns they scored came off of fourth down plays. You know, I think if you have a uh, reliable, place kicker you're probably not going for it on fourth down uh, yeah. at least on the on the fourth and nine um the uh yeah the lack of big plays didn't concern me that much this team showed last year that they can rattle off big plays when they need to um, what they didn't show last year was the ability to um move the ball um in in sort of medium-sized chunks consistently and i thought they did that relatively well on saturday um, you know, that said, the, the, the task that they're going to face on this coming Saturday is, is another level. So we'll, as Paul said, we'll, we're going to learn real quick um, what, this offense, what this offense actually has. Well, in that game on Saturday, Indiana, Big Ten, 
come into town 3.30, now on ESPNU. Um, Miami Home of the Hoos. Miami canceling their game due to the hurricane, impending hurricane. Um, Shen, I want to say to all of our friends in, in Florida, stay safe down there. Um, it's looking nasty. Um, so 3.30 Saturday, Indiana. Paul, you watched the Ohio State-Indiana game. What was your impression of Indiana going into the game, and did that change from their 49-21 loss to Ohio State? Uh, no. That was uh, – my impression going into the game was these guys are really, really cocky and think they can play They can play with Ohio State, and they've got a new coach. What the hell are they talking about? Uh, and then all of a sudden they did, uh, and they did it well for a half. Um, the one thing that surprised me – I always kind of expected that they'd fall apart. They just don't have the depth of the number two team in the country, uh, a team that's basically recruiting nothing but four and five stars. Um, the thing that surprised me is that Indiana was a power run game for the last couple of years. That's how they got to bowl games. Um, and all of a sudden they're coming out and they're, they're throwing it 50 times a game. Um, and, you know, they, they have a total of 17 rushing yards. I mean, even, even if you take away uh, the 30 yards that, Lego lost on sacks, you're still talking about a team running for less than 50 yards in an entire game. Now, I don't know how much of that is game plan. If that was mm-hmm. everybody expects Indiana to run, so they're going to come out on Ohio State and throw it all over the place. Um, I don't know if there were weaknesses in Ohio State secondary that they thought they could pick on and just weren't going to fool around with that big athletic offensive line. We'll find out on Saturday whether this team plans to run the ball and is going to run it right at a, a, an area of our weakness, which is the, the depth on the, on the defensive line just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're going to try and hit their big six foot three wide receiver for another seven, you know, 12 receptions, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> 45, I think he had. Yeah. R- roughly 45 so, of the 54. That's what it felt like. Yeah. You know, and we don't, Quinn Blanding is our tallest defensive back at six foot two. Um, the, the tallest corner we had was Tim Harris. Um, so there, I just, I hope that Mendenhall and coach Howell and coach Papinga have some, some pretty interesting, uh, coverage schemes they're pulling together this week to, to take away that big, big threat. But, um, I am not as confident in, in picking the ability for Indiana to be a winnable game as I was three weeks ago. Trogs, what about you? Did, did your opinion of Indiana change after seeing them in week one, or were you expecting that kind of performance out of them? I go back and forth. Um, I, I think I, I was certainly impressed with what I saw Thursday night um, against Ohio State. Now I only watched the first half, um, so I didn't see them fall apart in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was certainly impressed, and I do think they pose a matchup problem. Um, you know, As Paul suggested, I think they are going to use their – um, their tall wide receiver and their tall tight end to try to attack Virginia in the passing game. And I think with, with Harris out, um, it's going to be a tough test for Hall and for uh, Crowell and the other guys back there. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Indiana is, is known. Um, you know, it's known, has been known as a pretty strong defensive team. So, you know, we'll be able to, we'll see how we match up um, offensively with them. I started to do a little bit more uh, research just on the past, um, you know, Indiana's past two seasons. Yeah, they went to bowl games, but 
you look at their schedule, their schedule last year, they went six and seven. Um, you know, they lost at home to Wake Forest. That's a team that Virginia uh, led in the fourth quarter. You know, there's six wins, Florida International, Ball State, Michigan State, who was down, Maryland, who wasn't, was okay, Rutgers, who was awful, um, and Purdue, who was not any good. Um, and so, you know, a lot of what I've read and listened to about Indiana is, you know, this is the team that has competed in the Big Ten. Um, and so I, I think we're supposed to take that quite seriously. Um, but this is a team, you know, the yet that has really hasn't really beaten anybody in the Big Ten. Um, if you go back to the 2015 team, um, they lost in their bowl game to Duke. Uh, that's a Duke team that UVA has beaten two years in a row. Um, so I, I don't think that the um, – I think Virginia fans and the Virginia team um, should be respectful of Indiana's talent and ability on Saturday. But I, the more I look at it, the more I don't think we necessarily need to be afraid of it. Um, so I think it will be a good game. I hope so. Hopefully the weather's supposed to be better too. Um, I, I think hope so. I, you both made uh, interesting points and great points about it. It's, it's obviously uh, Indiana isn't the same type of level that maybe Virginia's having with those scheduling issues the past couple of years. Like obviously this is much different than going out to Oregon. Um, I think it'll be huge to build momentum early in this game, but my biggest concern in the last couple of seasons has always been those last, like the fourth quarter. Um, and that's where, Indiana fell apart was after their crowd started chanting overrated, which is the dumbest chant that's, in the history of sports. A little early. Yeah. And you deserve everything that happens to you if you start chanting overrated. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I I'm with Paul when it comes to, I didn't expect them to abandon the running game as much as they did. Um, but I'd like mm-hmm. to think that, I like our, our corners and our safeties. Obviously losing Tim Harris makes this a different story. Um, yeah, but, you know, you throw, you know, Bryce Hall is, what, six foot, almost six one, and yeah. about the same size. Jermaine Crowell is six foot, almost six one, about the same size. So, um, you know, the matchup that, that Indiana kept going to early in the game against Ohio State was their six four wide receiver against a 5'9 right. cornerback, and we don't have any 5'9 cornerbacks. So, um It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm, uh, it seems that their offense has risen and fallen um, alongside quarterback play. Um, so Richard Lago is, is tall. He's uh, talented. He gets the ball out quickly. Um, but he is turnover prone and he is mistake prone. So I'm interested to see what Bronco dials up on Saturday as far as getting pressure to him quickly. Um, and trying to rattle him a little bit because if he starts chucking it around, um, you know, to the other team, um, it could be a it could be a big day for the Wahoo defense. I'd be all for that. Um, and Paul, who do you think is going to be the biggest, like the key player for Virginia for Virginia to win? Who needs to just play lights out? I think it's got to be Jermaine Kroll. Um, I they're going to if they were scheming to try and pick on a perceived weakness in Ohio state by throwing the ball, they are going to definitely pick on Jermaine Crowell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he needs to show why he was getting sec and big 10 offers. Um, I think there's a very good chance he couldn't end up just play man coverage, just hit your guy and run with him. And they'll scheme around him a little bit so that he's got safety help over the top. But 
that's if I'm an Indiana coach, that's that's what I see as as the easiest path through the Virginia defense is right right down Jermaine Crowell's face mask. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to go kickers. <laughs> uh, kickers isn't really fair. Basically place kicker. Field goal kickers. Um, I'm not as concerned as I think some people are. Like, I don't think, you know, as the old saying goes, kicking wasn't built in a day. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it works. Um, but no, I think, you know, it's a kid's he's a first year. It's his first game. The line was good if you want to, like, take, you know, silver linings from it. He lined that bad boy up real nice, um, just left it about 15 yards short. Are we sure that the hold was okay? No. I was – okay. Let's blame that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah. no, I, I mean, it, college kickers. It wasn't a gimme. It was a 40, what, 43, 43 yard or somewhere in there. Um, and he left it short. So, I don't know. I didn't get a replay of the hold or whatever. We'll talk about that. I don't know if you know it was raining. But um, so, there's a few things that are concerning there. I was very excited, though, about the punter. Um, that's a huge piece that we lost last year with Conti leaving, who was legitimately at times the MVP on that team. So, I think the kickers need to have a big day. But um, I'm going to go with with my man, Kurt. I think he's got a put together a solid performance. He's got to play smart. That's what I want to see. I want to see making sure that he did get a lot of time in the pocket uh, against William & Mary, how much of that is line versus FCS or whatever. But uh, I, I liked his decision-making a little bit more. There was one moment where he should have thrown it away but took a sack and whatever, first game, that's fine. Um, he looked healthier. He looked stronger. A couple of the throws early were a little off, but I think by the end of the game, he really got into – he should have had another touchdown pass that was dropped by, I think, Lavroni in the end zone um, on another – on, like, another fourth down play, which is terrifying again. But, um, but yeah, I think it's – I think he's got to have um, a solid day. Like, not necessarily, like, slinging five touchdowns, but I think he has to set the throwing – the throwing threat early. Trogs, is there anyone else that you think needs to, from your opinion, that need, or a unit that needs to have a good day to pull off the, the – they're underdogs, so the upset at home? Yeah, I mean, going back to what Paul said, it, it, Virginia needs to figure out a way to run the ball. Um, if they can run the ball consistently on Saturday, um, you know, that's going to help keep the defense off the field. Uh, if Indiana – certainly if Indiana wants to um, use the pace on offense that they used last Thursday night – um, then Virginia's defense is going to need some help. Um, and so running the ball, controlling the clock, um, not um, not relying on passing it 40 times, um, I think is going to be key. So if they can have success, whether it's Jordan Ellis, um, whether it's Daniel Ham or, or one of the freshmen, um, if they can get on a roll and uh, just keep time of possession, then I think uh, Virginia's going to have a shot. All right. It's prediction time. Trogs. What what do you think's happening? Um, so last week or two weeks ago or whenever we did this last, I um, I think I said Virginia was going to lose to Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to I'm going to take Indiana still on a close win. Um, I certainly hope that I'm wrong, but I I just think Indiana matches up really well. Um, against UVA, and I think their strengths are in this in the positions of our weaknesses. So um, I think it's I'm going to go. Uh, I'll go twenty. I'll go twenty four twenty one. Oof, that's a heartbreaker, Trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Paul, what do you think's happening? Yeah, I, if, if I, if we had been talking about this a month ago when I was in the middle of, um, you know, reading training camp reports and was, you know, thinking this team could beat the 45 West Point football team, um, then I probably would have still kept it a Virginia win. Um, I, I don't see it. Um, that's not true. I see it. I see how it can happen. Um, it's, I don't think it's going to, I, my prediction 31, 27 with Virginia having a chance, having the ball last, having a chance to win it at the end and brutal. God, you guys are depressing me. Brutal. I know. <laughs> I know. God, I feel like I've, I just, the only thing I say because I feel like I've seen that game before. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I've, things, have, things have changed, but like things haven't changed. 20-something, and it goes out of, like, through the hands of a receiver. Um, well, you're both wrong, because they're going to win. It's going to be awesome. Um, now, I did my predictions, and uh, I will stick with mine as well, Trogs. Um, so, yeah, I had Virginia winning a close one. I actually think the kicker is going to make a field goal, which is going to be the difference in this game, I think. I think I'm going to go – 24 21 but virginia um so i'm gonna flip flip trogs's switch there get some momentum going before heading to yukon or sorry yukon comes to virginia um so yeah that's it so i've got i'm gonna be two and oh you guys are gonna be one and one after this week um as in your records not your personal records um so last thing before we close out for tonight Around the ACC, did you see any games this past week that maybe changed your perspective of a game that you thought was going to be harder that's now looking a little easier or a game that you thought was going to be easier that you, you might have changed your mind? Um, obviously, the ACC doesn't look as strong as it was last year, but there's still some, some solid teams. Um, Trogs, did you see any teams that maybe their, your opinion of them changed this week? Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was at the UVA game, but the score that jumped out to me was North Carolina losing at home to Cal. I think, I think Carolina was a 10 point favorite. Um, and they lost it. Looking at the box score, it looks like they had two court. They played two different quarterbacks um, during the game. We know that was going to be an issue coming <laughs> into the season. So it doesn't look like that one is settled yet. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say, um, yeah, Carolina surprised me. Um, there were a few scores that surprised me, um, but that was the, the biggest one. Paul, what about you? Yeah, I, there weren't that many games that looked like they're going to be harder than expected. Um, mm-hmm. The top of the league basically did what it was supposed to do. Um, the bottom of the league basically did what it was supposed to do, which was sort of underwhelm. Um, nobody nobody more so than Pitt. Um, I thought Pitt was overtime. going to be mine. Sorry. Okay. Um, no, but okay. having to go to overtime against Youngstown State um, – you know, certainly we're not a program that should look down our nose at somebody losing to an FCS program. Sure, sure. Um, but Pitt's supposed to be pretty good. Um, not, you know, 10 wins good, but tough to beat good. Um, and, you know, Bo Pelini can sneak up on anybody. But um, that is a, a very surprising week one box score to me um, that to the extent I was very pessimistic about that game, maybe I'm only pessimistic now. <laughs> yeah, I thought Pitt was a surprise. Um, I ugh, I hate saying this out loud, but I'm going to say it. Uh, I thought Tech looked a lot better than I thought they were going to, or not Tech yeah. as a whole, but um, that their quarterback Josh 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 Jackson. I won't say Joshua Jackson because that's the 
super amazing Pacey Witter slash Charlie Conway um, actor. But um, no, Josh Jackson looked good. He he ran well and he had a pretty good arm. Um, so that <laughs> come on, that one stays in the probably not going to happen. Um, but the uh, Georgia Tech, I don't know what to make of them because they yeah. had some. I just realized I totally players. lied. That's the one game. Um, that the, losing Justin Thomas was supposed to set him back, and instead they've got a freshman run for 250 yards. Unreal! Um, he set a record and, for the and throw the ball really well. Yeah. Um, they still are going to have those the issues holding on to the ball though. Like they made yeah. some dumb mistakes that they should have won that game. Him, I don't blame Paul Johnson going for two there, but like, I mean, I, part of me is like, why? Because you have to go for two the next overtime. Just do it when you both have to do it. Like whatever. Right. Um, right. But. He, to the extent, to the extent that, that was, you know, that was penciled in as a like potential cupcake, you know, ACC win on our schedule, that's a lot more daunting. All this, yeah. if if that kid's got another couple games of experience under his belt when we play him, yikes. Yeah, um, UConn jumping ahead a week did struggle though in their first game as well. So maybe that one looks even. Well, that one was already probably in the easy column. But oh, they um, needed a comeback, right? They were down two scores against Holy were. Cross going yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, that's well, don't don't want to live that way. I'll tell you that much. Going um, hey, going back to Pitt for a second. Yeah. I was look looking at their schedule. That was that had actually turned out to be a huge win for them on Saturday against Youngstown State. They go to Penn State this coming weekend. Then they get Oklahoma State at home the weekend after that. Then they go to Georgia Tech. Oof. So it is it is not uh, it's not. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it doesn't take doesn't take too much to see them starting off one and three here. So, um, it should be that's an interesting one to watch. I've lived that life; it's not fun. Um, any last thoughts on Indiana on last week against William and Mary? Anything you want to get off your chest on the table? Ready for this week? Basketball schedule comes out tomorrow, today, the Thursday. Whenever you're listening to this, sorry, I'm really. I, <laughs> It's the part of the hosting gig. I don't know what day it is when we're recording. Uh, Thursday. So by the time you listen to this, the basketball schedule will have come out and we will talk about it on the next one. Um, it's exciting. It's almost basketball season. Yay. Indeed. This is I, the first year that I'm not actively counting down the days, though. Like, I kind of want to see how this football season plays out, which is that's weird. That's a good sign. You know, I will put in a plug, uh, one thing from last weekend. I will put in a plug to the Virginia fan base. Just be happy for winning a football game and try (laughs) not to be a Debbie Downer on every mistake that happens on the field. I saw, I mean, I was on social media. I was on some message boards. I was on the Streaking the Lawn Slack channel, and it looked to me (laughs) like there were some folks that had some really intense reactions like in the first quarter when the game was still zero zero that makes me think that they might need an additional hobby in addition <laughs> to just being a UVA fan because there's no reason anyone should be that upset about winning a football game when your program only won two football games last year. Yeah, we're <laughs> halfway there, guys. Lighten up. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's the side effect of um, – I'm used to it being usually the most optimistic person in the room. 
<laughs> it's like it's not that bad it's okay there's still time but yeah uh it's a win one and oh that's exciting hopefully they'll go two and oh um again yeah. it's going to be indiana on saturday in charlottesville at scott stadium um it's gonna be 3 30 p.m on espnu if you can't make it down there unfortunately i don't think malcolm brogdon's gonna make it back again for this one which is always fun um can he play defensive back he's big actually <laughs> who, has anyone gone basketball to football i know we've had players that use the last year of eligibility greg paulus did it former duke <laughs> former true. duke former duke point guard yeah, that, that was a little too quick man took an extra <laughs> year over it Took an extra year and went and played quarterback at Syracuse. So, you know. Do you have a Greg Paulus poster? <laughs> I think the question is how many? How many Greg <laughs> Paulus um, yeah. I remember Billy Gladding, who was on the lacrosse team, played, was a walk-on on the basketball team. That's right. Um, his fifth year, fourth year, whatever. The uh, forecast on Saturday, 73 and pleasant in Charlottesville. So come to the game, man. Come and get to there the game. early. Adventures of Calfman is back. Yes, that's right. Took a one year break. We're trying um, to convince people to come to the game, Carol. I like come to the game. What? Adventures of Calfman is awesome. Don't hate it. Power V, it's the best. Hey, did you guys hear that Brian Leung had like four of his readers come to his tailgate on Saturday? Really? Yeah, yeah. So, and they brought gifts, and he loves he loves guests, and he loves gifts. That so sounds like a just hit up hit up Brian on on Twitter. He's at uh, the UVA Fool to find out his tailgating location, and just go go um, go hit him up. He loves company. He loves chatting with people, and it's nice to engage with the community. He's so charming in person. <laughs> All right, let's not get out of out of hand here. Um, <laughs> all right, I think that's it for this experiment in Caroline hosting. I appreciate you guys spending <laughs> the I was going to say spending the evening with me, which sounds way worse than what I intended. Um, well, this, this is ending on a strong note. <laughs> <laughs> it had been so good before this. Um, no, so yeah, visit shreelalon.com for all of your. UVA sports needs uh, and we will be back next week. We have a planned very special guest who will be joining us to talk about UVA sports. Shocker. Um, but for Paul Trogs and myself, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Go who's go who's. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you, portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. 
Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today.